Hey there, e-commerce enthusiasts. Let me tell you about a game changer in shipping, ShipStation. It's the ultimate platform for simplifying your shipping process. With ShipStation, you can easily import, manage, and ship your orders in no time. It integrates seamlessly with your favorite e-commerce platforms and carriers, ensuring a smooth workflow. Gain valuable insights with their powerful analytics and reporting tools. Say goodbye to shipping headaches. Visit foxcitiesmm.com slash ship and level up your shipping game today. You're listening to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, your bi-weekly dose of true crime history in a small rural community of Wisconsin. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. I'm Eric Waltigans. I'm Gavin Schmidt. And Gavin, I got nothing smart to say right now, so... um, (laughs) I guess just take her away. What do you got for us today? I got a story that doesn't involve any murder or mayhem. But if I recall correctly, is it not? It, it's in Kakana, right? It is. Sweet. It is. All right. Bear with me for this, this episode. Robert Augustus Toombs was a lawyer, wealthy planter, and slaveholder, and successful politician in Georgia in the 1840s and 1850s. All right, so we're starting in Georgia. This is starting off a little weird. Yep. He opposed the expansion of the United States into Oregon and Mexico and was opposed to the idea of secession, at least at first, but he was a firm believer in states' rights. As new states and territories joined the Union, including New Mexico, California, and Kansas, he believed that they had the right to have slaves. In the 1860 presidential election, Toombs supported the vice president, John C. Breckinridge, but Abraham Lincoln won the electoral vote. This angered Toombs, who now openly pushed for secession and wanted to be the president of the South. He got his secession, but did not become the president. That went to Jefferson Davis. Toombs became secretary of state and early on had disagreements with the new leadership. Regarding the attack on Fort Sumner, Toombs wrote to Davis, Mr. President, at this time it is suicide murder and will lose us every friend at the north. You will wantonly strike a hornet's nest which extends from mountain to ocean, and legions now quiet will swarm out and sting us to death. It is unnecessary. It puts us in the wrong. It is fatal. He didn't think they should be going to war. Following the Civil War, Toombs avoided arrest, because he was considered a traitor, by boarding a boat to Cuba and from there to France, where he hid out until the heat died down. He returned to Georgia and even helped his son-in-law, who was also his daughter's cousin, get elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. After 1883, he sank into depression, alcoholism, and ultimately became blind. He then died. Okay. (laughs) I'm... I'm... (laughs) That does play a role in... All this? You didn't just want to give everybody a history lesson? Well, so everything you just heard, forget it. Okay. This this uh, this senator from Georgia had a nephew, okay. also named Robert Toombs. And Robert Toombs II went under the false name T.W. Colquitt, and he took up residence at the Grandview Hotel on Kakana's South Side in 1888. So where was the Grandview Hotel? On the south side. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Um, It was like on the corner of like Main and Third. Oh, it's kind of a hard concept to think that there would be a hotel there. Yeah. (laughs) But 
He was said to be a writer working on novels and short stories for newspapers, including the Chicago Ledger. He was something of a recluse, and few people knew him, but he claimed to be from New Orleans, and he met a Southside Kakana girl that he intended to marry. He would leave for periods of time and told people he was traveling abroad. He made a generally favorable impression, and those who met him said he was, quote, a gentleman of brain and cultured experience. In September 1889, he walked into the newspaper office in Oshkosh, where they described him as, quote, a tall, good-looking gentleman with a connubial twinkle in his left eye and a matrimonial expression on his cheek. That's very graphic. That is quite graphic. <laughs> he placed a classified ad looking for a young woman who was good-looking and a good housekeeper. He soon received several lurid letters with a burning thrust. I don't know. Wow. I don't know, don't know what that means, but that's... That's what happens when you place I, classified ads. I think that it, it are you pulling this from a news article? Yeah, these that, are the actual words they use. I think the journalist that wrote the news article should have been writing romance novels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in June 1890, 2 years after first arriving in Kakana, it was discovered that he was not traveling abroad, but he was actually using these classified ads to find wives around the country. Exactly how many wives he had? Nobody knew. His secret began unraveling when he married Mamie Miller in Louisville, Kentucky, on May 10th, 1890. The two had their honeymoon in New Orleans, but two weeks later, Toombs deserted his wife and fled back to Kukana. Soon after that, he packed his trunk and said he was leaving for California. He wrote to his wife and said he was moving to South America for business, and she should write if she wanted to join him. She did write but found her letter unanswered. The Louisville newspaper wondered if he was either, quote, a madman or merely a wife deserter. By mid-June 1890, letters began arriving for him in Kukana from multiple potential wives. It was determined that on the south side of Kukana, he had a post office box under the name of Colquitt. And on the north side of Kukana, he had a post office box under the name of Tombs. Letters arrived from ladies in Eau Claire and Thorpe, among other places. The way the Kakana article is written implies that these letters were open and read by the reporter. And I say that because the, the reporters, like, these letters came in from ladies around the country looking to be his wife. And I don't know why they would know no, that, that if they didn't open the letters. <laughs> letters and read them, yeah. It's, that's a big no-no. You can't do that. But I don't know. Maybe they were just speculating. The headline in the Kakana Times said... He should have been a Mormon. We learned that in addition to his Louisville wife, he had also married Mary Agnes Shaw, a Southside Kakana teacher. Following this marriage, they never lived together. Because Toombs fled, and it was revealed that the marriage was illegal because he had already been married to this other wife. In addition to that, I have found that he had at least two other wives at the same time. The story of him being a writer is actually true. Um, I was able to find an article that he wrote in 1890 in Cosmopolitan Magazine. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. He also had an article in another magazine about the topic of charcoal burners, whatever a charcoal burner is. Don't know, but he apparently had something to say about charcoal burners. 
Is that tr- was this like a product or is this like a? I don't know. You know, I have no idea. What Didn't see all. the actual article on that okay. one, so I don't know. But he was he was really writing articles in newspapers and magazines around the country. So that part of his story is true. He kind of disappears for a while, but then in March 1893, he returns to the Kakana headlines. It is now learned that Tombs and Shaw, the Kakana teacher that he had previously married illegally had continued to correspond by letter after he ran away. And she knew about his history, but she liked him anyway. So now they were going to get married again, this time for real. But he's probably already married to like four other people at Could this be. time. <laughs> Could be. They do end up getting married, but within a matter of months, she files for divorce. <laughs> and is granted a divorce in Outagamie County. The following year, Tombs... Still a young man, contracts smallpox, and is put up in a hospital in Chicago where he dies. It is said at his death that he has a small fortune held in trust because his family is wealthy landowners in Georgia, but uh, he's dead. And <laughs> it's going to be a heck of a fight trying to figure out which wife is his real wife, if any. <laughs> so that fortune, who knows where that ended up. Very short story this time, but... so. Why was this in the news at all? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I assume it is elite. He could potentially, could he be arrested for having multiple wives? Yeah, he could have. have he been. could have. But as far as I know, he never did. In fact, it's funny for how often he did this. And some of them even accused him of like running off with their jewelry and stuff. He never seems to have gotten arrested. And he stayed like respectable this whole okay. time. Because he's, he's writing for these magazines. At the time of his death, he's actually the editor of a newspaper in Chicago. So he's not running around anymore. He's actually got a, a day job. So it, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't ever actually do anything to this guy. Interesting. And so it did he, but he only married the one person in Kakana, right? Only one Kakana lady, yes. That we know of. That we know per of. Per se. Because it, I do find it suspicious that he had... A box on the south side of Kakana and a mailbox on the north side of Kakana in different names. Yeah. That would almost suggest like he was maybe, because you said he was running ads in classifieds. Yeah. To to find these women. Yes. Would almost suggest that he was running an ad under one name in, for the north side and then the one on the other in in the other name for it's the possible. side. It's possible. He was, he was registered at the hotel under his fake name, but... Every time he got married, the marriage records are actually in his real name. So Interesting. So it wasn't like he kept making up new names to get married. It's just I apparently they didn't have any good way of checking if you were married already. Which I honestly I don't think they do now even. Maybe not. Because it's you know, it's like county clerk that has it on file, right? I right. don't think it's a central database of anything that tells you. Yeah, maybe but, maybe not. But yeah, I mean especially here. If he goes and he gets married in, in Kentucky, and then he comes back to Green Bay or wherever, and they're like, have you ever been married before? And he says, no. I mean, what are they going to do? do? Yeah. I what mean, are they going to do? Just start calling every state or every county and just yeah. start asking, do you have a marriage record for this guy? Yeah. So. Yeah. The it. only reason I can even find it now is because the stuff's pretty well indexed online for like family history stuff, but 
But yeah, at that point in time, I don't know how you'd be able to find if he ever was married before. And the the other most very puzzling question to this is, okay, so you said that he, he did marry. There are times where people have said that he married, stole their jewelry, and took off. But, at, le- at least one occasion for sure, yeah. But I mean, I feel like there's a lot easier of, of a way to steal a woman's jewelry than to go <laughs> through the hassle of marrying her. So like, what was the motivation behind this? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I would love to find out more. Um, this this was primarily came out of the Kakana newspaper. And I tried to find other things, but there wasn't much I could find. When he died, that made the Chicago paper. But, like, a lot of this didn't. Like, the, the Louisville paper ran an article when he was caught there. Mm-hmm. But that was about it. Like, this didn't... This guy didn't make headlines very often. And I really wish he had, because I feel that there's a whole lot of interesting things probably going, going on. on. Yeah. Um, and just just to know, like, how many wives did the guy actually have right, out right. there? You know, that, that would be very interesting, because, I mean, you know he's done it, how many times do you I say? know for sure four. So four because times. Because four I under mean, his real name. And you think about it, like, he could have done this 30 times. He could have. Very easily. He could have. There would be no trace of it yeah, because because you don't. There's really nothing holding you to writing your real name. I mean, now there is, but then you didn't have a driver's license or anything I mean, to verify that you're yeah. saying the right name. And on top of that, I mean, I don't know. I get married, and my wife takes off one day and disappears. To me, I wouldn't even go to the police. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that most of these women never even, I mean, just woke up one day and their husband was gone and was like, okay, well, yeah. move on with life and figure it out or whatever. Yeah, it could so. be. I'll say I'd, I'd like to find out more. And this is, I could probably find some divorce records or something if I tried really hard. But but definitely, I ran across the story completely on accident, completely on ran- at random. And uh, and I was like, okay, this is not murder or mayhem, but it's it's funny and... You could twist it into mayhem a little bit. Maybe a little. There's maybe a little, a little bit of mayhem going on there. So. Maybe a little, but just just so people know, in the 1890s in Kakana, there was a guy who was marrying <laughs> women around the country and then coming back and living in a hotel. Yes. What an odd story. Yeah. Leave it to Kakana. Of course. I mean, <laughs> thank God we live here, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kakana's the best. So, all right. Well. Nice and short and quick one for everybody this yeah, week. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty but, short, but that's that's all there is. So, But it's a good story. So, as always, if you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player, and we will be back in two weeks with a new episode. Mm-hmm. You got anything you want to add, Gavin? Or no, not really. I mean, right. just the same as usual. If you have a story from uh, Northeast Wisconsin you'd like told, let us know, and I can look into it and and write up a little story. But otherwise, uh, I'm not running out of material, so so it's not urgent. But if it's one that you want to hear sooner than the others, let me know. Sounds good. And MilwaukeeMafia at gmail.com is where you would reach out if you want to mm. submit that idea. And otherwise, we will see you all in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. Join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of Murder and Mayhem.